1: Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone
0: connected to the world of horse racing or cricket.
1: Welcome back to part two with Devon Malcolm. I began by talking to the former England paceman about his touring days down under before he chatted in detail about his match winning performance against South Africa at the Oval in 1994. Nine for 57 and all that. Put aside 30 minutes of your time and listen to Devon. It's worth it. Well, another area in your test career, you went to Australia on two tours in 1991 and 94-95. How much did you love bowling on the fast Australian wickets? I wouldn't have liked facing you at the wacker.
0: <laughs> no, no. i tell you something, though. You're talking about how much you love it. Um, my first tour to Australia... The first game was at the Waka. And it was frustrating, the first innings, because, you know, a ball very quickly, very quickly indeed. But again, I mentioned Marsh in my debut, he played he played for uh, Western Australia and balls that these guys are leaving because of the bounce and you said, oh, you know, in English condition, they'll be taking the stump up, but because the bounce was so much, you know, bounce over the pitch and you get carried away. But, Ball in a short pitch ball because it's so bouncy. The ball is the English length, and that's gonna just go over the wicketkeeper's head or fly way over the um, over the uh, the batsman head. And also, when oh guys batted as well, balls that we should leave, play, we played against and nick off. Yeah. So my first game there, the first innings were very frustrating. I didn't take many wickets. The second game, the second innings though, I got my length again. Western Australia, I got my length right. And I reckon I took five or six wickets. I know I took quite a few wickets there. And, you know, but the is was like this. You can get carried away. It's quick and it bouncy. You can shake a lot of play for, um, a batsman up, but also because the ball comes on so well, it can disappear for quite a few runs. Well, so as a pitcher, I do enjoy bowling on. And again, you know, you talk about wacka: quick and bouncy. I mean, if you take the opposite end, one of the best batting tracks in Australia is probably Adelaide. And if you look the way things used to happen in the 80s, in the 90s, you know, if I was at the Adelaide pitch were here in England, I probably wouldn't have played. But also I'd have success at Adelaide. You know, it's a great cricket pitch, great pitches, and all that business. But I put ball on quick bouncy pitches and also um not so, not so. I, I, I could also bowl on good batting tracks. You understand that with, with that as uh, as responsive with the bounce. So yeah, I, I just enjoy playing all across Australia. You know, and um,
1: what was it like? The like playing, Australian... What was it like playing um, on Boxing Day um, against the Australians at the MCG? <laughs> well, that is uh, that is just ridiculous.
0: Really, um, I've never seen so much people. Because I mean, it is absolutely fantastic. You know, it's, uh, MCG Christmas. Christmas, yeah, um, really hot, blustery, I remember playing there, really hot, blustery. But once you get into a stadium and you look up and you can see, I keep saying, wow, Devin Malcolm <laughs> playing against, in front of so many people, it's just ridiculous, you know. I mean, you look and you see 80 or 90,000 people coming to go watch a game of cricket and you know you're out there, people, you know, um, you're on your stage, you've got to perform. You know, um, it's quite an amazing feeling, you know, and even said that they've said the third and fourth day when they're probably 50,000 or 40,000 in the stadium. it feel empty, but, you know, it's a huge stadium and um, great place to play cricket. And one thing with the Australians, you know, they play the game tough. They're great cricketers. They always move the bar. They set the bar. They don't give you nothing easy. But one thing, though, if you try and you work hard, they like you. Even the, the spectators, you know, and I never really have any hassle at all from even the Australian uh, um, spectators. They always said, Fear come mate, you work hard, you give us all, you left it all out there, and they uh, and they enjoy that. You know, you give us our oh, boys a hard time, or." You can see I'm always trying, but I always give it 100 percent, whether it's hot, flat, or whatever, mate. That's that's me. I always give it my all. So, well, Australia is a great place. One of my favorite places to tour. You know, all the different states. You go to um, Brisbane. Absolutely love Brisbane. Brisbane, as I said, quick picture Perth. You know. Um, you know, wherever you go, Adelaide, Melbourne, absolutely fantastic. Just touring, traveling around Australia. When we toured as well, way back, we normally get the chance to go country because it used to be a longer tour. Now the mm. guys going to just go and play, um, just a test cricket and out. We normally go and meet people and, you know, meet the locals and all that business and, you know, have a few cocktails. And so it was absolutely fantastic in our days when we, when we toured. Longer tour, but it was great meeting the locals and, as I said, travelled up country and, and, uh, and um, play some cricket as well.
1: Well, we've got to move forward now to, and I've got to talk about it now, you're nine for 57 in August 1994. Now, we've heard this many times before, but being hit on the helmet by Farney de Villiers, did that really fire you up? I mean,
0: I remember my, my bowling court then was was... Um, was Jeff Arnold. And I said, I was called back in because he said, OK, we're one nil down. Final Test match. Yes, because you nearly Arnold didn't win. play,
1: did not you? You nearly didn't get uh, selected for that game. Well, yeah?
0: uh, <laughs> no, I probably didn't. And to be honest, you know, it was, in the end, the, the chairman of the selectors was Ily Roth at the time. He didn't even turn up until pretty late. And I'm there with Athos. I said, Athos, who's playing? And he said, Dev, I don't know. I'm waiting for Ily to turn up. And um I said, what do what, what Arthur said, what I do now is is between yourself and Toughnell." So Athos had the final call, and I reckon when Elon returned up anyway, he said, okay, um, gave Arthur the final say, and i said, Okay, Dev, you play instead of from um, instead of tough now So he could have been the other way. He could have been, <laughs> you know, play Toughnell. But I got in there and I got the play. I said, yeah, come on, South Africa. But I bought pretty quickly the first innings, you know. Um, I ended up with with uh, taking only one wicket in the first innings. And I remember um, watching the highlights on, 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 on TV. And I heard Richie Richie Beno said, OK, Devin Malcolm, you look on those figures. But I thought they bowled out a lot better than those figures show. The figures I got in the first innings. So that gave me a lot of confidence as well. But our incident happened in the first innings. I balled at John T. Rhodes. Bowling my bouncer, I misread the bounce and took his eye off the ball and he cracked him at the side of the helmet, end up in hospital overnight, but just pushing on a little bit. When I came in to bat, I could hear the South African boys in the um, slip calling. It was Fanny DeVilliers who were bowling, saying to Fanny, Come on, Fanny, let him have one, hit him. He hit one of our boys. So I thought in my head, Ah, it's gotta be a double bluff because if you think way back 1994, there was this unwritten rule. You don't bowl your fellow fast bowler, I bounce. It's not like these days. A fellow, fast bounce, uh, a fellow fast bowler, I bounce the first ball. And um, <laughs> so I keep saying to myself, I said, Deb, Fanny, definitely going to be bowling your yorker. Keep your back down, no big back swing, just ready to dig that yorker out. And I'm there. Fanny Divilius ran up, and before I move, I heard clumps. He's the most accurate bouncer I've ever faced. I just managed to flick he hit the right on his three lions right between the eyes. And I mean, uh, I wasn't impressed. Like you said, No, 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 you shouldn't have done that. You know, I said, Boys, if you guys want to know what fastball is about, wait till you guys come out to bat. I said, All you guys are history. I said, You, I'm gonna show you what fastball is all about. And you know what? Uh, I, yeah, uh, I live up to my word, you know, and um, you know. It was one of those one of those days as well. We're in the changing room when I went back after being, you know, it hit me on the finally hit me on the head and went back. And all the guys came because the change room at the over there were kind of split. And everybody in my head, come on, Dev, let those boys know. They can't do that to you. And I could feel that. I've never felt anything like that from my teammates before. I could just feel the energy. I could feel the love. I could feel, come on, Dev, we're behind you here. Show those boys. Let them know. You know. And from ball one, if ever I wanted to send a signal out to the uh, to the South African players, that ball, that first ball was right on spot. The ball pitched exactly where I wanted to pitch, the right pace. I mean, uh I mean, just managed to get his head out of the way. The ball thumped into um into Rhodes's uh, uh, Stephen Rhodes gloved the wicket keeper. Alex Stewart played, but it was Stephen Rhodes who was the um the wiki keeper then, and the crowd went up and I said, yep. I'm on here, you know, the radar, I'm locked in. I'm locked in, the radar, I'm locked on here. And, you know, I reckon my first bit, I probably took three for not many. I probably three for They were one
1: for three at one stage.
0: They were one for three. So I, probably, yeah. so I probably took three wickets for no runs. My first, first three wickets I took for no runs. And the crowd just went wild. And the crowd was absolutely fantastic. But you know what? Um, running into ball, I just didn't hear the crowd at all. I recognized because um, I could hear the crowd. At the end of my over, when I walked back to third man, I finally like could hear the noise. But once I turned running into ball to that batsman, it was total silence. And just looking back on the replays, I realized every step, every stride I made, the crowd was, the noise was higher and higher. It was louder and louder, but I didn't hear that at all. I only recognized that by watching the replays because once I turned myself, the batsman at the other end, Total silence. Absolutely. And I keep saying, that's weird. <laughs> I didn't hear the crowd. I didn't realize the crowd was uh was making that much noise when I was running into bowl. You know, I just could only see the, boat, the batsman. And he was as he was as quiet as ever. So if there was a a zone, I must have been in that zone, to be honest. But it was just absolutely fantastic. And it said ended up with um with nine wickets, nine for fifty-seven. At the time that was the sixth best ball in analysis in the history of cricket. But what I do say. That was done by mainly spin bowlers, apart from Sir Richard Hadley. Probably took nine fifty-two or something like that. Um, but he was—he's a medium pace anyway. <laughs> I'm only joking. Sir <laughs> uh, uh, Richard Hadley, one of my heroes, fantastic bowler he was. But yeah, if you look on the list and you kind of look on fast bowlers or quick bowlers, are probably be up there. But as I said, um, <clears throat> you know, it's quite a lot of spin bowlers who have done it. And um, you know, but after I took those nine wickets, you know, walking off. And Michael Atherton, he was a captain then. He come and said they're brilliant. He said, "Look, as long as I watch cricket, or as long as I play cricket, I probably won't see an individual dominate a game as much as you do." And I, straight away I keep him. I said, "Skip, this won't mean a thing." I said, "I remember I had a really excellent game in Trinidad back in 1990 uh, in Trinidad. The game where we should have won." that the um, slow overrate and Gucci broke his hand there and I was man of the match but I said I've got the trophy at home it means nothing to me because we didn't win that game I said if you guys really wanted this to to mean something to me you better go and win this game you know I said unless we win this game it won't mean a thing so they went out you know batted really well got the runs won the game and all of a sudden I said yes boys we can celebrate now, but um, you know it was it was one of those things as well. You know, all the catches were taken and all that business, and I was I was in the zone. I bowled well, and I had the rewards, and you know, and the um, adulation that came after of that. You know, once you get in messages and you know congratulations from President Mandela and stuff like that, and being invited to South Africa, and I remember, um, leading up to that, the Prime Minister, the then Prime Minister John Major, actually, he was on holidays. He was in France. And what when he saw what was happening, he flew back. He came back. <laughs> <laughs> he said that was on holidays, but I came back, and he was at he was at the Oval, and he actually presented me with the Man of the Match award, Man of the Series award. And I keep saying, "Wow, that must have been special," you know. The the Prime Minister flew back from his holidays. I keep saying, I know he's an absolute lover of cricket. John Major was, and um, you know he was uh, a member of the sorry Cricket Board as well. But you know. It was one of those things people on holidays don't care where they were, a taxi driver in um driving in London. And I could feel the love and I could feel the energy because a lot of people said, Okay, you know what? I was at I was um I was at a wedding and everybody would just keep running back <laughs> you know, watching the cricket, you know. Uh, well, this guy I had this guy actually who came over from New Zealand, he called his son, he named his son after me, Devin, and he said, Look, why I you calling Devon? At the time when you were taking the wickets, he said his wife was in labor and he keep running back, putting forward to the TV. He said, I supported her." He said, oh, he's got another, he's got another. So when when the boy was born, he called him Devon. <laughs> so he came over to see me actually a few years ago from New Zealand actually. So there's a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. great memories, you know, whether the people was at um, christening or a wedding or whatever, they all remember that our, even the taxi driver keeps saying, you know, a lot of people said, Oh, I've been on that game, I was at that game. I keep saying no. <laughs> the amount of um There must have been a lot of people, people there. It. Yeah. Uh, no, I keep saying, Well, over the years, if I said I can't remember so many people. I said over the years, the amount of people said they've been on that game, I keep saying, I reckon you guys must have been transported there in some other form, but you know, I probably have over 150,000 people said they've been on that game. And I said, I sure know the Oval don't hold that much people. So, anywhere they were, they would kind of transfix or transform to, to the Oval. But yeah, it was a memory moment. And, um, you know, glad I managed to during my career. I mean, people come and said, okay, you've only had one memory of performance. You don't care who you are. You know, uh, Graham Gooch batted very well in his life. And he keeps saying, what are you gonna remember? Gucci is about. is three, three, three. It was fantastic, <laughs> you know. And nine for fifty-seven is one to remember. If you're gonna be looking at Ambrose, or or you're gonna be looking at Um Wazimaka, one of my favorite bowlers as well. Or Waka Yunis, they're gonna come up with their best figures, you know, one of their best performances, uh, one of their best victories, and it's one of those things. Nine for fifty-seven is not something you can happen every day and that's something you're gonna turn your nose on mate so um, i'm quite happy to remember for my 957 because you know it was um you know it was a it was a, a um even you know, i gotta say it, it was a it was a, a special performance you know and um once you uh, the following day you check out or you check the news you know whatever tv news whatever and that's the headline you check all the papers back page front page it's got to be something special, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm quite happy to say thank you. I've had a great career and you don't care who you are, if you end up playing international cricket and putting in a performance like that, you have to be proud of it.
1: Well, you played your last test at the Oval in 1997 against the Australians. We, we, we did win the game. Um, mm-hmm. Looking back at your test career, do you feel you should have played more matches and were you denied opportunities to play more games?
0: Well, what I what I would say what I would say to you is this: Now, um, when we played, you don't care who you were or who you are. Um, you know, with all central contracts, the way the selectors operate, you know, you're playing a series. You have thirty odd players during the series. You know, difficult. If I was playing now, if I had in this era where guys are given a chance, you've been back, you have central contracts. There's no doubt about it. I would have played a lot more cricket. As I said, what I do know, or what I, the confidence I had in myself is there's the opposition. I know the opposition respected and respected what I had in my pace and recognized I was a match winner. I get out there, I can bowl a side off, I can win a game just like that. But as I said, the, um, the selectors and I don't know, there was this lack of confidence, in a way. I'm really confident in myself, but all I need was the backing, and to say, "Okay, yep, this is your role, like what we did in the Caribbean." But all of a sudden, things going all right, bang, fine. But as a fast bowler, you, you know, sometimes the pitch is not conducive to, uh, especially at the early part of my career. And although I was very quick, I could swing the ball as well. I could do a lot with the ball, but when things doesn't happen, and because I haven't got the backup at the other end. I got thrown in the bin straight away <laughs> you understand so it's not like now central contracts, guys got that in there they got their skills to work on and you feel like uh, you feel you feel like no okay, guys feel like a real player representing England but I, I, I didn't feel as if I'm in or out you know I didn't really feel part of it one minute you're in one minute you're out and you can't play cricket represent your country or feel part of a team if you like if if you feel like that you're going to bed you don't even know if you're going to be playing the following day. You want to know, look, I'm in the squad. I'm 90% certain I'm going to play. 100% certain I'm going to be playing tomorrow. Um, I've got this five-test match series coming up. If I'm not injured, I'm going to play in those games. I'll say, okay, five-test match series. I've got to take 30 wickets if we need to win the series. You know, like what in the Caribbean, how many test matches we play? I took 19. And you can set those standards, you see, and work towards those. But if one minute you're in, you feel as if, you know, you're playing a game. You get hit for a couple of fours. He doesn't carry He's off the edge or whatever, and straight away he said, "Oh boy, I'm out." The next game, I better try and get a um, a couple of wickets now. And if you don't, <laughs> you know, well, then you're going to be dropped. Even if the batsman, even if even if the batsman got bowled out. I mean, I've played several games for England where um, we weren't so much the bowlers. You know, we didn't get enough runs on the board, and all of a sudden they change the team they drop come on! They, they drop a bowl and I keep saying, how oh, does that make sense? <laughs> you understand? I'm in for my, I'm in for my, um, for my bowling and, you know, we haven't make, put enough runs on the board and all of a sudden, I, um scapegoat, but My bowl are been dropped. So it was very frustrating. You know, you, you want to feel part of it. As I said, if you look on my record as well, when I'm away on tour, I probably have a more consistent performance because I said, look, there's a good chance now I'm in this squad of 17 or whatever, 16, I probably fit, keeping well. I will play. You understand? But a home series and stuff like that—well, <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare. You don't know. You do not know. And as I said, the way things are set up now is when it's fantastic. They can concentrate. And again, if you think way back in the eighties, in the nineties, county cricket—you know, England didn't own you. So if you play for Derbyshire, whatever—if if Kim Barnett don't want to give me a, a, a rotate me or give me a rest, even up to a test match. You could play a four, five, six championship game, finish, pack your bag up, and you head off to a test match to play against Australia. <laughs> what kind of preparation is that? Crazy. That can't work. You can't, you know, not when they, uh, um, you can't play international cricket like that. You look at guys like Anderson and stuff, he's still playing. These guys, they don't have to play county cricket. They get prepared to represent their country, you know, and, you know, that's the way it should be, to be honest.
1: You know,
0: um, the international team, your international cricketer, but as I said, you know, with uh, central contracts and all that, uh, players are a lot more privileged now, and they can they can afford to do that. But when we started, you know, whether you're a batsman or bowler, it was very, um, not very consistent. And, and again, as I said, it's mainly from the you know selectors and want instant success, and if you don't get it straight away, they change the team, and people and players didn't feel part of it. To be honest.
1: Well, well, thanks for that. That's that's very interesting to hear all that. But you did have a very successful bowling career in county cricket, as you said. You got one thousand and fifty-four first-class wickets. Um, I thought I'd put this in as well. You also got one thousand nine hundred and eighty-five runs. Oh, I didn't um, get two thousand. Oh man! No, not two thousand. Still... No. Oh. you must have loved playing county cricket, though. Oh
0: yeah, I really enjoyed playing county cricket. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um. School, oh, you really. played for
1: 20 uh, years, yeah. 20 years, yeah,
0: And you know, some people said, Look, I played until I played until I was 40. I keep saying, As a fast bowler, I said, Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I loved it. And if you look towards the end, I finish off my
1: uh, oh, you were churning career. the wickets out towards the end, towards really the end. So, as I said, yeah, I finished yeah.
0: off with finishes, I finish off at Leicester. And you know what, when I decided to call it today, because I reckon my penultimate season, uh, i probably take up probably. Almost 100, wicket, 90, years. It was myself and Martin Big was up there, and um, all of a sudden, because I you know, was swinging the ball, I was still bowling quickly, and the press would start um, asking questions. Devon Mark, <laughs> to back ring, that I keep saying, oh, no, no, don't be silly, I said, I better retire. I said, why would you want to do things like that, get the youngsters in? Because I was bowling so well it was the twilight of my career and all of a sudden, you know, moving for my final club at Leicester and it was quite a launch in finishing our pad and you know, even when I packed up, I you know I could have been I could, been, I could still go on because I went on to play a bit of minor county cricket after that and I'm still playing now at my age. I was gonna to say to you, are you still, still running in
1: now? Are you still, I still running in? in now? I still
0: do all the PCA masters I do a bit of lashings and charity games, so um you know. I, I do I must admit, um, the shorter form now, these, these new new competitions, the twenty twenty. I haven't tried hundred ball yet, but I um you know the shorter form, you know, you just gotta ball go four overs fantastic format. So, um, you know, and it's it, it's attracting, you know, a lot of new supporters to the game, especially with the hundred ball as well. So, um it's a format, all these different formats. I'm a purist when it comes to cricket, I must admit. I love my test cricket and all that. But if you're going to attract new spectators and um, and, and and see formats format that work in the 2020 cricket, you know, the youngsters love it. 100 Balls, I thought, was very successful last year. Let's hope it continue to be like that. And, you know, there, there's room. There's room for that. Because, as I said, I mentioned about my love of test cricket. I'm a purist. But um, if you have these different formats, and the amount of people are watching these one-day format, formats, you're hoping a lot of those will filter through to support and watch the, the longer form of the year which is Test cricket. But we need to preserve Test cricket, to be honest.
1: It's a fantastic um, school. And um, what are you up to now?
0: Well, I've um, on quite a few. I mean, I'm just uh, last year, I uh, well, not last year, this season, actually, I... um took on a, a, a match referee role for the ECB and I really loved it. I mean, I, I really enjoyed my first year. So I'll see how that develops, how that go. have a bit of reflection um, during the winter months and um, try and have a little bit more development. And, you know, I'd like to be involved. Yeah, in a sense. So I do that and I've got a sports, um, you know, uh, um, sports, group, sports uh, um, kit business. So I do different things. I've got a... Um, a um, Private event business as well. So it's a matter of I'm um, doing several things, but um, this match refereeing officiating role is something I really enjoyed and looking forward to probably finish off my career with if the opportunity arise, arises, you see. But um, yeah, there's, I'm still involved in the game. There's most things I do. I, you know, I love the game, I'm still involved in the game. Um, I'm being an ambassador for Chance to Shine. That's getting cricket into state school from inception, and I'm still involved, so I'm always pushing you know, because I know how fantastic cricket was to me, you know, encouraging the state school to play more cricket and encouraging kids. So anything to do with cricket, really, that's my passion, that's my love, and um, I'm involved in most fear <laughs> when it's come to cricket. Anything to do with cricket, I'm there, mate. <laughs> to be honest. You know, so as I said, but that's the main, my main uh, um, portfolio, portfolio of things I do at the moment is my events business. I do private cricket um, um, events and, Various different things like that, and as I said, I do uh, um, a, a sports uh, um, kit business and I'm um, involved with uh, anything to do with cricket. <laughs> yeah, most seems to do with cricket.
1: Well, uh, the only other thing I wanted to ask you was we're just about England, just about to set off for the Ashes down under. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think our chances are without? Um, uh, the pace bowling of, of Joffre Archer, Ollie Stone. How do you think we'll get on? Yes, yeah, it are be a
0: bit difficult. And as I said, you mentioned Jofra Archer. He came on, he started off um, with a bang uh, uh, in international cricket. Um, you know, he got superb talent, the pace he had. But the amount of the volume of overs he bowled earlier on in his career, I'm not surprised, you know. As a fast bowler, you can't bowl 40 overs in a game. You know, I've played for how many years? I don't believe I ever, ever bowled that many overs in one innings. You know, you ask Ambrose and all those guys, that's tough and a fast bowler. And I'm not surprised, you know, he probably would not recover from the amount of um, pounding he had. And yes, if you had alistair Stone, you had Jafra Archer, it would be fantastic to help out uh, um, with the extra bit of pace. One plus, I do say, as soon as I know, that Ben Stokes is back, which is going to give the team a massive lift. Joe Root, again, super cricketer. It's not going to be easy, you know. It's not like you see what England doing in the 2020 at the moment. It's a different type of fish. Um, playing Test cricket in Australia is tough. You got to be strong. You got to be fit. And Anderson again, you know, the ball doesn't do as much in Australia. So you know, although he's a craftsman, he will need a, he needs a bit of help, yeah, you know, um, um, to to bowl the Australians out. And it's it's going to be an interesting series, you know. It's um, it's going to be tough for England. It's going to be tough because we haven't got that extra bit of extra pace. I mean, Broad probably coming back um, for fitness and, and all that business. But um, no, to be honest, it's going to be a very interesting series. It's not one we're going to go and say, OK, tell you what, England going to have one over on Australia or, you know, it's equal. Not not so much. If you look, I mean, how comparing compared if you look on the 2020 World Cup that's happening at the moment, you know, England is a far more superior team than Australia at the moment. you know. When it, but when you, if you look at the testing, it's probably almost the opposite because Australia now got some serious fast bowlers, and they got batters for the condition. And um, no, I can't wholeheartedly go ahead and say, look, England will win the Series 2-1 or something like that. It's probably the other way around. England will perform, you know, you, and you need Ruth and Kent. There's a massive amount on Ruth's shoulder to perform. You know, but I mean, to win Test matches, you need twenty wickets, and you know, you're looking where that twenty wickets are gonna come from. Have you got spinners to do it? That extra bit of pace, that's what you need. So, um, I'll, I'll, you know, as much as I'd like to say, okay, be really optimistic and say, look, well, England gonna roll Australia. Uh, it hasn't been done for the last couple of three series down there, and it's still gonna be very tough. And as I said, we haven't got that extra firing power as I said, if oh, the storm was okay, oh, we got that extra bit of pace, Jafra, But you know, rule that out. You know, that's not going to happen. So um, it's going to be difficult for for England. I hope we perform well. It, well it's not going to be easy. I must admit, it's not going to be easy at all. Not going to be easy. We just got to try and, and bat as well as possible and hope some, you know, uh, that that kind of stuff happen. But um, no, you need an extra bit of firepower in Australia. Yes, trust me, you need that extra bit of firepower to. To be on top in
1: Australia. Well, thank you for those thoughts, um, and also before we go, I just think uh, from your own career, it's been it's been really interesting speaking to you. It's been really enjoyable having you on the on the podcast, and uh, just looking back, um, three people that probably have made a difference to your career has been uh, Jeffrey Boycott getting bowled by you, Viv Richards um, getting him out twice in Jamaica. And the other person who uh got me to get you on the podcast would be Jeff Miller for letting you uh, letting you have some kit. Although have you have you, you've also said that he charged you for that kit when you and make your debut against Surrey?
0: Yeah, yeah. he didn't make me feel like a pro, but when saying so, he was very generous in the sense that, yeah you are young man, don't worry, I'll make sure I just take a little bit, you know, because then when we started, I just make sure you know, take a little bit every month or whatever for the next year or so because that helmet, is the most expensive helmet I've ever seen in my life. But there we go. But yeah, he did. He was very instrumental in making me look the part and feel the part because, you know, <laughs> as a pro, you don't... And again, I used to because if you think way back in the 80s, you're playing club cricket, mate. You don't care who you are. You have the communal kit back. That's how I learned my cricket. That's, right, understand? Yeah, yeah. that's how you but if you're not my son or whatever, you see a lot of youngsters from the five, they turn up a cricket match, you have a doing a net session, and everybody got their own kit back, their own bats, their own pads, and everything. I keep saying, What? But that's the way it is. So a lot of cricketers are um, you know, i finish off and a lot, a lot of young youngsters these days, if the parents can't you know, for that, they will, they will shy away from cricket because they feel left out. So my philosophy or my thinking now is you have youngsters under 10, under 15, get into the old communal kickback. I don't care how, how rich your parents are or whatever. You know, you want kids to feel part. You want everybody to participate, boys, girls, whatever. School cricket, communal kickback. You just get in, you grab a bat, you grab some pads, you play cricket. Forget about coming with this branded stuff and all that business and putting pressure on you, mate. So I'm not going to play cricket because I can't. My, my dad or my mom can't afford this, you know, top-of-the-range or They can't afford this, that. So I said, when you come into school, cricket youngsters, get them to um get back to the old communal kit bag,
1: mate. We'll have to see if Jeff can provide more kit for youngsters, won't we?
0: The youngsters, yeah. That's how it should be. But as I said, for those, thanks, mate. You let me feel like when I got the contract from Derby, Turn up with a brand new spanking cricket bag with all my kit in there. I did. I really did turn up. at next, I felt the path rather than you know nicking somebody's glove or back <laughs> you know, from their bag. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's the era I was growing up in anyway. But that was uh, yeah, it was great. Well,
1: well, thank you very much for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion. It's been a real pleasure. We've really had a bumper edition. When I edit this one, it's going to take me take me a while. But everyone's going to enjoy it. And thank you again, Devon, for. Being with me on the podcast, Steve. Thank you very much. I bit
0: of I've got to do a bit of a rush now. I'm going to catch up with Rob and um, Nick Cook, some of my old teammates for a coffee. I haven't seen them since the end of the season, so I'm going to rush on Hopefully, I get there.
1: <laughs> is that is that Rob Bailey? Is it or
0: Rob Rob Bailey? Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ah, I know. I know his uh, his brother Simon, who was was on the podcast as well. So I've got another really? I've got an, other, another ex-podcast guest now mentioned on, on the podcast. So he'll be pleased at that. But thanks again thank for joining me. Steve, Stephen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You
0: can download the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pad and Pad.